Have you seen religious gaslighting? Have you seen people that use spirituality, use God, use the Bible, use different religions and organizations to gaslight and to be able to treat people a certain way? All under the guise of spirituality, all the guise of acting or being a certain way. I want to talk to you a little bit today about toxic Christianity. We're going to do this in a couple different series, a couple different episodes. I'm going through some of the book, and we were revisiting this, if you can see it, When Narcissism Comes to Church by Chuck DeGroat. And part of what he's talking through is how narcissistic the church system actually is, what is actually being seen inside of it. Today, what I'm going to focus on specifically is going to be gaslighting. Is going to be going through an excerpt inside his book talking about how this person is actually going through the piece of gaslighting under the guise and in the whole aspect of religious organizations. Because it doesn't make any difference what it actually is. It could be politics. It could be religion. It could be business. It could be anything like that. Narcissism shows up everywhere. But we don't talk about it enough when in some regard to Christianity and religion. If you guys are new here, my name is Ben Taylor. I'm a self-aware narcissist on this channel to provide awareness, growth, healing, change, and development. I'm the founder of Raw Motivations, the creator of the NARC app, and your guide in the 45-day Clarity Challenge. You can access at claritychallenge.net. Go there if you want to be able to break the trauma bond, reduce the rumination, or eradicate the triggers that are controlling you on a day-to-day -day basis. To give you also perspective, when we talk about toxic Christianity, a lot of times people want to attack me. At the end of the day, I believe in God. This is why I'm actually on here. This is why I'm actually seeing change in my life among a lot of other things, including therapy, wake up warrior, like people being in my life, helping see different pieces of it along my journey. But to give you a perspective too, I also see it from the other standpoint that I don't believe there's Christian narcissists out there. Now, what I say with this is meaning the aspect of an abusive person that's consistently doing it, lying, cheating, stealing over and over, doesn't exist. Some people don't like that because they're like, well, like once a person's saved, they're always saved. Or once this happens, this happens. Once, you know, all of it comes down to the place of you can't say someone is a changed person and they continue to live the same way over and over and over again. It just doesn't happen. I don't believe a Christian abuser exists, period. I think an abuser exists, but not a Christian. Let's talk a little bit about toxic Christianity and what that looks like, okay? So in the book, it goes through this aspect of gaslighting, okay? And it starts with just a simple illustration, an example of it. A part of it, if you didn't know, gaslighting is a form of emotional abuse. It draws its name originally from the screenplay, um, 19, 1938, the British play called Gaslight, Okay, give you an idea here. In the play, a man named Jack Manningham terrorizes his wife, Bella, by making her doubt her perception of reality. Bella is com comforted only by one reality that she can trust, the dimming of the gas lights that correspond to Jack's after-hours antics. Among his antics, Jack hides household items and blames her for misplacing them, which throws her into perplexion and self-doubt. Her only shred of sanity is the gaslight's flickering flame and the audience is held in suspense as she facilitates between self-doubt and clarity. Those affected by the bite of a narcissist do not feel it right away. They may even think they deserve it. A narcissist develops an uncanny ability to make others feel crazy, uncertain, confused, insecure, and bewildered. Sadly, this occurs in a variety of contexts, not least in the church. And so he goes in and he talks through this one story that we want to be able to read, okay? A story of abuse. This couple looks as if they've been cut out of an advertisement. 
A Ken and Barbie type couple with tan complexions, bright smiles, and flirty dispositions made me wonder if I was being set up. I was a young therapist engaged in my first set of church planter assessments, and I was suspicious enough to think that the experienced assessment team might toss a couple actors to test out the new kid. Zach and Andrea had been introduced to me as shoe-ins for the assessment. Zach had raised close to 150000 in just a few months, and their church plant was primed for a launch in just a few weeks. I sensed that the testing I'd do was just a formality, and that with a wink and a nod, we'd push through them, we'd push right through. After all, the Sending Church was one of the largest Presbyterian churches in the South and a key supporter of the church planting center I was hired to consult for. I was anxious, just not because I was a rookie, but also because I smell a foul odor. Zach and Andrea took a standard of assessments. Followed by one-on-one appointments with me, Zach came in first, tall, lean, filling the room with charm and swagger. He was 27 years old, a kid, but the darling of the church planting world. So what do I need to work on, Doc, he said. I wasn't finished with my doctoral degree, and I sensed his move to ingratiate me himself with me. He wanted to appear compliant. While I had some hard news to deliver, troubling elevations on his psycho, psycho, psychopathic and can't even say it, psychopathology assessment, along with disconcerting responses from Andrea, raised the real possibility that I would not be able to approve them. I was anxious. If I delivered the hard news, I was likely to lose a good standing with the assessors and others believed him to be a rising star. If I didn't, I'd forfeit my own integrity. The next hour was brutal. I felt as if I was at war. Zach began with a false sense of compliance, pretending to be curious, to listen, to acknowledge to aspects of the findings. I said, Zach, your elevations on the narcissistic spectrum are significant. And I, he interrupted. Looks like I got some work to do between raising money and raising leaders, Doc. And that he'd repeat this pattern of interruption, quick to explain or defend. He did not seem curious and showed no humility. I sensed that he saw our exercise as an obligatory one. I sensed an entitlement that also concerned me. He repeated this pattern of interrupt, interruption, quickly to explain and to defend over and over and over. When we turned our attention to their marriage, he anticipated Andrea's response. She was pretty tough on me, I suspect. He said, shaking his head in disgust and pity. Can I be honest with you, Doc? I'm worried about her. She bucks my authority, and we know how that can be as guys, don't we? I was stunned by his presumption. My biggest concern now was for Andrea. She'd been playing a part, and now she'd privately waved the red flag, her desperate attempt to get the young assessor to notice. Zach's beautiful wife was no longer willing to be his Barbie doll, his puppet on a string, his teddy bear to be cuddled at one moment and tossed about the next. She sat literally feet outside the room, waiting for the verdict, either validation or dismissal. I felt the pressure. Zach did, too. He raised the money, received the endorsement, and was seen by many as the next big thing. He'd go, on, he'd go to the center city, emulating and successful strategies of other city pastors, and start the church. I suspected that he saw much more in his future, too. A book deal, speaking engagements, maybe even keynote for church planners in 10 years. But his face was now red, a raging red, that accompanied an intimidating glare. I hadn't gone in to expose him, only to be curious, to draw him out, and to see if the testing matched my experience of him. To my chagrin, it did. I was now walking on eggshells, anticipating his rage. Tell me as honestly as you think if there's anything at all troubling with, from your perspective about your treatment of your wife, I said. I expected nothing, but he volunteered some things. Doc, I can be harsh, but it's for her sake, he said. She's lazy. She needs to understand how vital our work is for the kingdom. It is her self-focus that hacks me off. She needs to be on mission-focused, and I am the ball. My anger is for her edification. I paused silently considering my final words. 
After a moment, I said, Zach, this interview is by no means a deal breaker. I don't have that power, but it is a major speed bump. I need to meet with Andrea and we'll see with some time together that we'll spend and consider the next steps. But my testing in this interview gives me significant pause. I cannot recommend you at this time. The room was silent. 30 seconds later, one minute, Zach's head was down. I said, Zach, it's time. We'll talk more later. He looked up, gazed as intensely as I'd ever experienced another man's angry glare. Her word against mine. After all, there's no bruises. Interesting story. It's a true story. Names are changed, but a true story from a person who assesses people going into church planting, going into the ministry, going into religious organizations to help lead other people. Narcissism is not limited to one area, to one person, to one genre of life. It is infiltrated into every single aspect. If you think you're going through life and you don't have a narcissist around you someplace, you're probably naive because you're going to see this happen more and more in our sense of society, in our sense of entitlement that happens inside this world, inside this country. It's going to happen more and more and more. The problem is people use it to their advantage inside of religious organization and inside churches to make you feel bad about you actually standing up for yourself. I'm not talking about standing up for your opinions or your rights. I'm talking about you standing up but being treated as a human being. But then they come to the table and they say, well, you have to be subservient. You have to look this way. One thing that's fascinating is you'll find a lot of people who want to revert and want to talk about certain rules and regulation that are inside the Bible or inside religious organizations. For me, as we talk about toxic Christianity, there's a lot of people that talk about like specific things inside the Bible that's like, these rules we need to follow, but they don't follow the other rules. They pick and choose what they want to actually live by. They pick and choose what they want to actually do. And then they start to make you believe a certain reality, a certain aspect to fall in line. A huge part about Christianity today is about conformity, breeding more narcissists. Breeding more people that fit into a mold that they want people to fit into and not actually stand up for who they actually are, for what is actually there, for being able to stand as a person, understanding who they are, the direction they're going, and who they ultimately love, respect, worship, adore, move forward. But the problem is Christianity has turned very toxic in a lot of scenarios where there are leaders that are not leading. They're leaders that are fake. They're leaders that are gaslighting their congregations, that are gaslighting their parishioners, that are gaslighting the people that they interact with, making them think that the abuse that's happening inside the marriage is actually okay because it's under the guise of it being spiritual. It's under the guise of what God said when that's a bunch of bullshit. If you're hearing this today and you connect with a piece of this, please leave a comment down below so people know that they're not alone. So people know that it's not just you that's going through this. I'm going to label this part one because we're going to revisit this multiple times. I think I have a unique perspective of it being a narcissist, but also a unique perspective of being a Christian. Of being a person that is no longer abusing, but still says I have a relationship with Christ. But it also gets pissed off at seeing the religious manipulation that happens. Hope you stick around. Hope you like it. 
there's a piece of what we'll be bringing to the table over and over so you get an idea of what I'm seeing, what's going on, and if you're in a toxic relationship, it's time for you to get out. It's time for you to stop being chained to a religious assumption that you have to stay in something just so you can keep being abused, just so the other person feels good about themselves, just so that there's conformity. It's time for you to step up and be the person that you are called to be. If you want some help, go to rawmotivations.com. Would love to talk to you one-on-one. If you're like, hey, where do I get started of just understanding more about narcissism? You can go to escapetoxicity.com. Would love to partner with you either way. Um, would love to talk to you. Thank you so much. Y'all have a great day.